This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fan Podcast. What a game on Saturday. Who comes up on the losing end? We're gonna do the preview again. Uh, but yeah, no, it was um it was a hell of a game. Hats off to Wake Forest, shot hundred percent from three in the second <laughs> half, seventy uh, percent from the field. If I would have told you that uh, Duke would have out rebounded, shot fifty three percent from the field, forty four percent from three, and eighty percent from the line, and they lost, I wouldn't say you're crazy. But um, you know, another thing is that uh, if a team's gonna play like the way Wake Forest and the way Hunter Salas in particular played in that second half and pretty much that entire game, you know, hats off to you. Um, so we're going to get into the entire game there. We'll, we'll kind of um, take it back a week and, and talk about Duke's dominating performance at Miami. We'll get into some mailbag and then we'll give you a couple previews. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this topic. we got Connor O'Neill who's been making the rounds uh, all day in the last basically 36 to 48 hours. So we appreciate him giving us a couple minutes here. Um, Connor, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on, on the corn storming topic that has been beaten to death like a dead horse. Um, but you know, I kind of want to get your feelings really quick on that. I'll give mine, we'll give everybody here a chance to give their 15 seconds on it, and then we'll talk about that game. But I'll let you have the floor first. You mean you, you don't want to talk about how all 3,000 people that go onto the court should be arrested and like charged with <laughs> trespassing and yeah. Look, um, Jay Billis was a lawyer and that's what he wants that Rico case, just like in Dark Knight. He wants the Rico case. Be the second but, most prolific case he ever took. <laughs> Shout out to Barney the dinosaur. I, I've seen a one-wake court storming before, and it was actually against Duke in 2020, and it seemed to go a lot smoother. I think their procedures were kind of lost in the shuffle, and I don't think we need to end court storming everywhere uh, for all time after this. Um, in regard to this one, uh, I don't really care if Kyle Filipowski threw an elbow or if he – put his leg out or not. I think that when you've just lost an emotional game and you see dozens of people storming onto the court within seconds of the end of that game, and it, it triggers your most primal instinct, which is fight or flight. And that's, that's the way I see it. Everybody's going to see what they want to see on the replay. And when it's slowed down to, you know, one sixteenth uh, second frame, it's just you're going to see what you want. So um, more attention needs to be paid to the situations with a fan getting in Mark Mitchell's face and flipping him off. Um, more credit needs to be given to Mark Mitchell for not reacting worse than he did. Uh, and more more attention needs to be paid to Jared McCain having a fan get in his way as he was trying to leave the court. And that fan looked like they were trying to instigate something that was a lot worse than it turned out. So just an all-around awful scene. Um, and, and, yeah, but I, I don't think that we need to ban the practice forever. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Connor. I, I said this even after the game that, it's an unfortunate situation that took away from what was a great basketball game. 
uh, and and uh, probably the best performance the Wake has had in years, um, you know, in a game that they had to have. And so that really should be the focus. I don't think that you should stop the art of uh, storming the court. I think the people that have come on in the last, you know, couple of days and, and tried to equate Duke football uh, storming the field against Clemson, I think that is the laziest, stupidest um, analogy that somebody can make. The bottom line is that you, first of all, the way fans were on the point before the game even ended. So the argument that people tried to make of, well, they should have ran off the court faster. They knew it was going to happen. Well, the game wasn't even over yet. And then secondly, I don't care what sport it is. You don't have the right to touch a player. You don't have the right to get in their face. You know, you're running out there. Your phones are in your hands. You're not paying attention. And you're trying to, like you said with Jared McCain, you're trying to get, you're trying to instigate him. And good for him for not taking the bait. You know, it's, to me, this is all on Wake Forest, it's, you know, as an as a school, they should have had more security. This is the biggest game they've had in years. They openly said, this is the first sellout that we've had in seven years. It is the biggest game in Forbes, you know, tenure as a coach. It is, you know, a game that they have to have. The fans were out there since 1 a.m., all these things. So if all these things are true that you're openly admitting, then wouldn't it be smart to have extra security in a game that you're also in favor on. So like, to me, it's just it's, it's stupid. It should have never happened. It's, it puts an ugly mark. And, and that's why over the last couple of days is all anybody's talking about. It's not talking about how great Hunter Solis was. It's not talking about how good of a game it was and, and how great of a win it was for Wake Forest in a game that will get them into the NCAA tournament. That's my take. Uh, D, what do you got? I don't know. Two things. So, great points, both sides. I think you do say enough is enough. Stay off the court. The back of your ticket says you're not allowed on this court. You're not allowed on this field. Whatever, whatever. Court storming 15 years ago, 10 years ago was different. Um, let's be honest. It was a different cultural society. Like, it was people were just damn nicer 10 years or 15 years ago. Uh, what? What is it going to take to get it banned? Do you want a brawl? Do you want mayhem? Because I don't care how many yellow jacket folks are on the sidelines. If 6,000 students want to run onto a basketball court, then 6,000 students are going to run onto a basketball court. So at a certain time, you just have to say, no, this is not okay. We can't do it anymore. It's flat out unsafe. It's like screaming fire in a theater. You just can't do it. And it's a rule that's been tolerated like we we all know that this is not allowed you're not allowed on this playing surface but it's a rule that we have just tolerated because nothing has happened so i guess typical american fashion it we have to have something terrible happen in order for it to get banned and this is the first domino yeah jack where, where do you stand when I was a senior in college, I went to a small Division three school. Um, we beat the number 12 team in the country. It was a massive upset. I was sitting in the first row, and I did not storm the court. I wanted to. I was incredibly excited. I didn't. I understand the emotion. I understand wanting to. I also understand that at least one person actively and deliberately made contact with flip the guy pushing him in the back i don't know if the guy 
I'm not going to act like I know that the guy who hit Flip on the front side was trying to run into him. I know the guy who shoved him in the back was. You can see that that's deliberate. The people that went after Mark, again, like Connor said, shout out to Mark for not making that a bigger deal than it was and keeping it from becoming a bad situation. The guy who had to be held back by, I want to say it was Jay Lucas. I couldn't tell from the video, but it looked like Jay Lucas had to physically restrain a Wake fan who was blocking Jared's way off the court. Like The entitlement that you have to have to think that you can go after someone who, when you're invading their space, it's just not okay. Like A kid. Dude. Yeah, storming the court. Yeah. Kid. I mean, both sides of this situation are kids. I understand it. I understand it from the fan perspective. That being said, it is not okay for a player to be attacked, antagonized, any of that. You got to let them safely get off the court. Like people were comparing this to when Duke rushed the field against Clemson. You look at that, they are actively avoiding the Clemson players. And like, you know, there's a whole sea of blue on the field, except for the Clemson players are going back to their bench. Yeah, the football comparison just doesn't work. It's 94 it feet doesn't. compared to 120 yards. Right. It doesn't work. And even if it did, though, like, they're avoiding the Clemson players. Yeah, it's also an I will also add our wearing pads and helmets. It's an underdog team that Vegas said would lose by 34 points, not a team that Vegas said would win by two and a half points. Yes. Let's, let's throw that out there, too. <clears throat> yes. But, like, as a result of this level of entitlement that these kids felt they had, and, again, I'm saying this as someone who just got out of college myself a few years ago, like, now we have an injured player, and it's it's a good thing it's only one person who appears to have been injured in all this because it really could have gone a lot worse. It could have been the, the Duke players for the Wake students. Oh, it's easily, easily. Shire tried to fight someone, it looked like, and had to get held back. Give him his flowers for that, too. Seriously. He's going to stand up for them kids. Good for him. I, I want to say, yeah, the coaching staff did a fantastic job of managing a situation they have no reason to be dealing with. They were put into a situation they had no – that's not their job description, and they did a great job. Yeah, Pablo, do you have anything to add here? I know this is not your favorite topic. No, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it would be a different conversation if one of these players slapped the shit out of one of these fans. You know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't even be mad at it. You know what I'm saying? Because I know where I'm from. You're not going to get in my face like that. It's not happening. You know like what I mean? Said, so fight, end, fight or flight, man. At the end of the day, I think it's, you know, honestly, I think it's dangerous. I think, you know, they're playing with fire. You know what I mean? They got to understand that these guys are 6'5", six, 7 foot, 6'9". If they hit somebody... It's going to be a totally different conversation, man. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, if you're walking on the street and somebody pushed you or punched you in the back, that's assault. I'm just saying. I mean, that's just how I feel. You know what I mean? I come from that kind of background where, you know, I'm protection. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is, man. I mean, I, I'm just – I'm over the whole situation. I think they need, they need to do a better job of protecting these players and, and coaches and family, family members that are, you know, that happen to be in the crowd as well. So – you know, it is what it is, man. You know, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? It is going to happen. I think there is things you could do to, to to cure the problem. But at the end of the day, 
fuck it. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. We just, we move on. I mean, it ain't, it probably won't be the last. I mean, it's Duke is everybody's national championship. So <laughs> you beat Duke shit. Everybody's storming the court. So we get, we just got to win. Yeah. Every, every game, we, every game we lose on the road is a core storm. Everybody knows that. And that was one of my points. Um, you know, Wake Forest should have come into this knowing that. AC, I, I purposely have you last here to, to kind of close this one out. Yeah, I mean, I've I've stormed I've stormed the court at Virginia Tech. I've stormed the field of Virginia Tech. Both were fun. Should have got arrested. And, and I should have got arrested, like Jay Billis said. I should be in jail right now too. Like, and, and that's cool. Like, you know what? That's the thing, though, right? Because like when you do storm the court, there's always security. They grab one or two people. They always do. They always do detain one or two just just to pretend like they're doing something. But the slow ones. You know I mean, like when a streaker runs on the field, what happens? The dude the, the dude gets tackled and everybody celebrates it, right? The players will tackle a streaker when they run on the floor or run on the field. And 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 it's celebrated. People love it. So the people who are trying to blame Flip for like, oh, he tried to trip him, where's that same energy, right? Where's the same energy when this this is their place of business, this is where they're doing their work. If I'm at work mm-hmm. and a hundred people rush me. I'm swinging. Like that's how it goes, man. Like, sorry, that's that's case in point. And and what like D said, what's gonna what it's going to take is either somebody getting seriously injured or a malice in the palace type of situation. People used to storm the court in NBA games. I know people are like they don't storm the court in NBA and NFL everything else. Dude, there's plenty of clips when the Boston Celtics would win a championship and all the fans are running on the court celebrating with the team and stuff. That that has happened, but malice in the palace pretty much ended that for for all pro teams for the most part. So. That, that's what it's going to take to get it to stop. I'm not sitting here saying stop it. I'm just saying there are ways to make it better. There are ways to try to curb situations like this for any team. It doesn't matter that it's just our team that it happened to. Caitlin Clark got clipped earlier in the year, too, and there's no excuse for a 45-year-old man clipping a, 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 a woman basketball player running off the court, a 20-year-old woman basketball player running off the court. There's no excuse for that. So, you know – it is, you know, it is again, like Pablo said, it is what it is. I think there's ways to curb it, and that's that's my opinion on it. All right. I, well, I want to say one last thing. Yep. I I hate this topic. I, I think we I I think we should move on, but I just want to say one last thing just to make you think. When Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record, two like twenty something year old people ran onto the field with him, trying mm-hmm. to congratulate him. He said in that moment he was scared for his life. Yeah. Just think about that. Yep. Nobody belongs in the field of players. Trip the guy. If you want to be along, if you want to feel like you belong in the field of players, then get better at the sport, and then you can play. Yep. That's the only. That's <laughs> the only reason you should be on the floor with anybody. That's the only reason, man. You don't deserve to be there otherwise. So sit in the stands, pay your ticket price, and shut up. That's it, man. Thanks. Now let's talk about the best basketball game Duke has uh, been involved in this season. Because wow, objectively that was great. It, it, it was a great. It was a fantastic game. It was a fantastic basketball game. Connor, you were there, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, Connor, by your perspective, obviously you cover both teams. Um, you know, I just thought personally both teams played at a very high level. You, you know, had a couple turnovers there toward the end that I think cost their chances of, um, you know, being able to get a victory <laughs> on the road. Uh, but credit to Hunter Salas and, and credit to, to Wade Forrest. You shoot 100% from three, 70% from the field in the second half. Deserves the win. Yeah, I mean, I, I put this out there. Like, that was the best game I've seen all year. I think it was the best game I've seen in two years. Like, the only one that comes to mind as being as close, it was the Duke-Miami game in the semis last year in the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. And that kind of came with the caveat of they lost Norchad O'Meara a minute into the game. Yep. Um, yeah. 
it was just such a high level game with such great shot making. Um, I, I, I liked Shire's comment afterward. I don't know if this is going to step on the uh, X's and O's version of you guys doing this, but he called it, he was just basically like, I don't know if it was really chess as much as it was just checkers. Like we were doubling the post, they were kicking it out and hitting threes. So we couldn't do that anymore. And we went one-on-one in the post and they were scoring over us in the post. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it was just, it, it was, uh, it was easy to track. Um, every bucket felt like it was a momentum shift. Um, I think in the second half, the the biggest, you know, quote unquote run was 6-0 by Wake. And that was two three-pointers. There was never a stretch of a team going for three or four buckets in a row and getting much of stops. It was just the the level of play and the level of execution was just too high. And uh, it, it did kind of suck that it came down to a couple mistakes at the end, two by Roach, and then Proctor throwing the ball out of bounds after Wake made a couple of the you know, that that failed alley-oop from Salas to Reed was had disaster written all over it. Um, I'm sure some I'm sure some hearts were in throats from the wake perspective on that one. Uh, Steve Forbes probably is among those, but it just just an incredible game, uh, incredible atmosphere. Uh, you know, that's that's part of the other part of the, the court storming discourse takes away from the fact that it was just the best crowd they've had in years and years and years. Um. And it was it was electric. It was worth every bit of the hype and uh, anticipation that I felt coming into it. It felt like it. it sorry, TK. It, it felt like one of those old Duke Wake games, right? Like when they used to have Vitas Danilus and 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 uh, was it Randolph that, Childress? Yeah, Childress. <laughs> even after yeah, all the guys after those when Skip Prosser was there, when yeah. Wake was perennially ranked Oni, in the top. Tony Rutland. Yeah, man. Like it was. It's good for basketball. It's good for the ACC, right? Like we want the ACC to look better, so our record appears better, so we get higher seeds and all the other stuff we all want. We need Wake to be good, honestly. Like it's it's a it's a program that has been good in basketball for a long time. Like we need this type of thing, man. It was, it was a great game. It's, I've I've had this conversation with people. I've I've actually had this conversation with Randolph about. Wake should be good at basketball. Like it's yeah. it's nice to go to bowl games. It's nice to tout a, a football program that is no longer a doormat program. But you want your tobacco road schools to be good at basketball. That's mm-hmm. that's the it's it's hardwired into the fabric of this whole state. Correct. And so, you know, going through ten years of Jeff Bazelik and Danny Manning uh, getting the one first four in ten years and. It's just not who Wake needs to be, and and Forbes has it rolling in the right direction, and and this was kind of the watershed moment of yes, it it can happen for this program again. Like they can get back onto the national stage where they spent about two decades under um, Odom Prosser, and then a little bit of Dino Gaudio. Oh, Dino Gaudio! God, I forgot about him. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, kind of. Kind of bringing it back to the to the you know kind of the actual game flow itself, I thought uh, the that you know Jeremy Roach made a lot of clutch buckets there in the second half, and it's like when we needed one, we're going to Jeremy Roach. Um, I thought Tyrese Proctor made a lot of you know solid plays in, in the second half, and it's, it's to me kind of like uh, Proctor's ready to start now going forward. Uh, that was before we even knew about Kelly Foster. Um, uh, injuring his ankle, 
But, you know, kind of talk about it from a deep perspective. What did you like? What did you not like? Obviously, the turnovers. Um, but anything else? I actually – oh, my bad. No, you know, it's like you said earlier, Connor. Like, if you told me that Duke out-rebounded these guys, they didn't have as many turnovers, Wake Forest only had four offensive rebounds, and Duke still lost, I don't know if I believe you. Um, I think Proctor played – out of his mind good. I know he only had 14 or 15 points, uh, uh, 14 points, one turnover. It, it looked like every time he touched the ball, he was about to make a play. I think I knew what he was trying to do at the end. Um, him and Flip run that a lot. Flip just throws like an overhead pass, and he cuts straight to the basket. And I think I saw the vision. Uh, I don't think they were on the same page. But that was a that was a great basketball game, man. It was two heavyweights throwing haymakers at each other for forty minutes, and I I think everybody but me wanted overtime. But it was a good game, I, and I don't want the court thing to take away from how well Steve Forbes has this Wake Forest team playing because they are playing out of this world. Yeah, kind of from a from a Wake Forest perspective. Um, you know, what did they do so well other than just honestly shoot the lights out? But, you know, I thought their ball movement was really good. I thought uh, they were working the inside out, you know, defensively, you know, they made it tough on Duke and we know Duke made shots, but. They've in the last six to seven, maybe eight games, um, really since late January, they've switched up their ball screen coverages and going, going through like, the, the games all run together. It was sometime in late January where they were basically just a drop coverage team. Like they were going to give you that long two and not give you a three and not give you anything going to the basket. And they got burned by RJ Davis hitting a bunch of elbow jumpers. They got burned by Pitts guards who are really good contested shot makers. So they've, they've changed it up. They blitz a little bit. They switch a little bit. They don't do it much, but they do it enough to kind of keep you off balance and, they just throw a little bit of misdirection. And that's that's what has helped their defense over the last month. That's what they did against Duke to at least kind of negate Duke's talent differential. Cause I mean we're we're still talking about a, a different different talent levels um across the board with these guys. But and the offense, I mean <laughs> there were there were what four first round picks on the court if you if you take Flip, Proctor, and McCain. We assume all those guys will be first-round picks at some point, maybe maybe this year, maybe one of them next year. And then I think Hunter Salas is a first-round pick, and I thought on Saturday he was the best player on the court, which I think you have to have when you're playing a team like Duke. You have to have the best player on the court, and that's what he was. I mean, 29 points on 11 of 13. And if you go back, like, he's, he's shown himself to be a clutch player. Uh, they're – their biggest home game until Saturday was two weeks ago against NC state. He had 33 points on like 12 for 19 shooting or 12 for 17, something ridiculous. So it's like 62 points on 23 of 30, which is absurd. Yeah. AC, I, I thought that that's uh, something I'm pretty good. I, you know, obviously Duke, you know, overall has the talent advantage, but when you're talking about, um, you know, Hunter, so I was actually a guy that we recruited, um, you know, that we, we, you and I both wanted um, mm -hmm. at Duke. 
But, you know, overall, uh, there are some positives to take away from this, you know, if you're Duke. And it's not just that, you know, our seating may have gone from a ceiling of two to now it's a ceiling of three, whatever, who cares. But Duke hung tough that entire game when Wake Forest is shooting the lights out. And when they made their little run, Duke counter. And I think there's a lot to take away from it. What's the biggest takeaway from from a Duke perspective um, coming out of there? I think there's two, honestly. I think there's two things that, and I definitely want to, you know, want to get Pobs on here after this, just to see where his head is on this one. In my opinion, there's two things that need to be because I, I, that need to be addressed. Because I, I thought we played a great game. I thought we we our rotations were good. The players that came in the game outside of one or two, you know, really helped affect the game. Um, but just uh, there's a couple of things I think that we in a game like this you need right like you need you need some one-on-one play and where the, I thought that was a strength of ours earlier in the season because we weren't sharing the ball well now we've shared the ball so well it's almost like we don't have many one-on-one plays to go to outside of Roach so in in a game like this that was that was Salas man that was Salas was going one-on-one at, at times towards the end of the game doing his thing, like doing his, doing the thing that, you know, a top notch player does. He was, he was one, he was arguably the best player on the floor last time we played Wake at Cameron. He had a great game. He was efficient. He had a really good game, right? Like him flipping Mitchell all had great games, but you know, this is one of those times where you kind of want some guys to be able to go one-on-one. You saw that at the end of the game, the end of the game is not the cause of us losing the game, but you saw that when we needed a possession or two towards the end of the game, we couldn't get it. Um, but, but I think that's going to change. I think that can get better. I think that can, I think that's something that they can address moving forward. Like, that's, that's why I like this loss right now, honestly, is these little things we can address and clean up before the tournament. The other thing is being able to get a stop here or there when we really, really need a stop. That's the biggest one, in my opinion. And, and we just, we have to be able to buckle that. We, we can't use the excuse of we don't have a rim protector anymore because we know that. We know what we don't have. We know what we don't have. We don't have big guards. We don't have rim protector, all that. So at this point, our coaches are good enough. They're good enough defensive minds and everything else to be able to scheme and devise something for us to be able to get a stop here or there when we truly need it in a game like this where overall defense really isn't going to matter. Defensive plays here or there truly matter. So that's that's my, take, my two takeaways that I want to see. Just just want to see some improvement off of that as well. Yeah, Pablo, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what he said. What AC said, I think overall um, – a big part of the game, too, is I think, you know, we're not giving a Coach Forbes enough credit for is the things that he did on offense to get Duke out of position a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't do – I mean, other than uh, the big kid. What's his name? Carr or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Andrew you know, Carr. Uh, scoring over Mark Mitchell a few times. You know what I mean? He's got the height advantage. So he did a good job of, of playing one-on-one and, like, posting up and scoring some easy baskets over him. But um, That kid's a future pro, by the way. Yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. He's, he's got he's game. That's side in that ability. He's a future pro. Yeah, There's a couple pros for Wake Forest. Um, I just think that overall they did a good job of getting Deuce defensive out of position. You know, it wasn't just kind of like ball screen or middle ball screen offense. You know, what I mean, he ran a lot of misdirection stuff, but he did a good job of uh getting his guys uh you know just using different type of cuts and creating advantages. Man, like when the ball is in the air. You know, Wake Forest players would be running to the ball, you know, at certain angles, you know, catching the ball screen, and, and they'd be going, man. They got our defense out of position a lot of times, man, and uh, open. You know what I mean? They would just drive, kick, open three-pointers. I really don't know what Duke was doing on some of those three-pointers. Those dudes were so <laughs> open, man. I was just like, damn. Yeah. 
shit. Yeah. I was like, man, he's definitely going to hit that. So, um, <laughs> overall, man, the game was just – I mean, we had our chances, though. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. We definitely yeah. – like, Wake Forest, like, definitely towards the end of the game, they wanted to lose that game. We just didn't take advantage of it, man. <laughs> like, I was like, shit, I don't understand what we were doing. So, overall, I'm not discouraged, you know what I mean? I definitely mm-hmm. don't subscribe to the fact that, you know, we need to lose to be better later. I, I, I don't I don't really subscribe to that, but – you know, we lost the game, so it is what it is, man. Um, on to the next. Jack, wanted to bring you in here for, for your thoughts. I thought, um, you know, kind of just talking about that last play, you know, Mark Mitchell does a great job getting that defensive stop. We get the ball back with, what, seven seconds left or so. Parker has it. And I must have watched that last play that he was talking about in slow motion 10 to 12 times after that game, just trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> And it was like, you know, I think there was, there was certainly miscommunication. I think that, you know, Flip was going to dive and Proctor thought he was bouncing out, uh, you know, and, and that's why he made that pass and, and kind of realized when Flip wasn't there, kind of fumbles it. So it was a lack of commitment to whatever they were going to try to run. I'd rather just kind of see Proctor find a way just to take it to the hole, make something happen. Um, so there was a little uh, indecisiveness there, but, you know, kind of overall – um, in that last play, in, in last uh, moment situations and games, what would you like to see? In that specific situation, I want to see Tyrese take that ball to the hoop. He had he had the lane to get there. Might have been contested, but he's got you know, he's a six five point guard. He's got the ability to get to the hoop and finish that shot. Would have tied the game. Um, you know what? It is what it is. The idea, I think, was to go to a three flip, which had worked a couple of possessions before. But I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and act like that was a smart decision in a game where you're down two. You don't necessarily need to go for a win, unless your name is Austin Rivers. Um, so, you know, it's what could have been. But at the end of the day, yeah, Salas and Carr, I think, were uh, phenomenal. Duke, again, yeah, Duke had a lot of balanced play and then had a lot of balanced poor play in the last few possessions. It's just what it is. It was an amazing game, and uh, I think Duke, even after a loss, is better for it. Yeah, Connor, we know that we're uh, we're keeping you overtime here, so we'll, we'll get you out on, on, on this one. Um, would you like to see these two play again in the, in the semis or in the finals of, uh, of the ACC tournament? That's a harder question for me to answer than anything about court storming and all that stuff. <laughs> Honestly, like, I would love to see it just as a basketball fan or just as an objective observer. I mean, 80 minutes between these teams and there's, what, four points of separation? Duke was mm-hmm. plus four, Wake wins by four. Or Duke was plus eight, Wake wins by four. I mean, I, I think it would be another electric game. And kind of headed down that path. Uh, based on Virginia trending down, Wake trending up, getting to the three seed, and Duke being the two, unless they're able to beat Carolina and beat Virginia and win at state. Like I would, I would say that Duke has a little bit of a tougher path uh, to that number one spot than Carolina does right now, even though they're struggling as we're recording against a really yeah. underhanded Miami team. They're, they're in a dogfight against Miami right now. Oh, yeah, it's a little weird. But um, Actually, oh my gosh! Oh, that's not jinx anything. 
Um, no, I'm saying that to Davis. He has 42. Oh, jeez. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, AC player of the year. That's the highest scoring game in the ACC all year uh, yep. over Blake yeah. Henson. But the, like, the only thing that gives me pause is these games are pains in the ass because I get accused of being a homer. I get told that I need to <laughs> bury one team for the other. Signified. Yeah, it's it's like I, I really I, I don't care who wins. I just want to see good basketball. And now I have the the ultimate like uh, hopefully no fan runs out on the court and <laughs> clips somebody like hopefully we don't have to have an entire discourse like Saturday sitting in the Joel media room was one of the most miserable experiences of my life uh, or at least of my career just because you watch this incredible game for 130 minutes or whatever it was and it's all secondary because of the 30 seconds after it and then the press conferences it's just I don't want that but if, if you can give me another game Without all the drama and bullshit afterward, I'll sign on the dotted line right now. Right. Yes, yeah. please. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, well, Connor, uh, I hope it happens. I really do. Um, and, and and if so, we'll bring you back on here for, for way through part three. But we appreciate your time. And uh, go get some sleep, buddy. Sure. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Take okay. care, man. Good stuff. Keep it up. Appreciate it. So, yeah, so Connor O'Neill, obviously covering both Duke and Wake. Uh, appreciate his time coming on here. Um, before we get into we'll do a quick Miami recap, um, just because it was, it was a great performance by Duke. Um, you know, AC, you know, I know that Miami was underhanded um, when they played uh, played Duke in Coral Gables, but that was by far the best Duke that I've seen in a, in a long time. No, and, and and I think that's what leads to the game we see against Wake Forest, right? Like yeah. offensively, we we're clicking, we're on you know firing on a lot of cylinders, and I, I just I like the trajectory of this team. Um, you know, just barring health, like we just we need to get people healthy, and make sure they're as healthy as they can be for the tournament. Nobody's gonna be hundred percent healthy going into the tournament, but Miami signified us going to another team's home gym and beating them down like we were supposed to. We were supposed to beat Miami down, and we did. So it, it worked out because it's it's a team that's on the ropes and, you know, good good for us for doing so. It's, it's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of takeaways from that game other than it was it was the start of the trajectory. Yeah, go ahead, B. No, I, I, AC summed it up perfectly. Like, there's, there's bad games that were you – last year at Miami – Lose by thirty. Throw that. Uh, throw that film out. There's nothing to like. Oh. Next play. This year at Miami, win by thirty. Throw that film out. Nothing we can take away from here. Next play, and like I don't see it any other way. Like yeah, we we just kick their teeth in, and shots were falling. Everybody's shots was. I mean, okay, man. we're Thank pulling you. up from the logo. So. Yeah, look, Jack, it was a uh, three-game road stretch where, you know, if you go two and one, you take it, especially with the, the loss being the one at Wake. You hate Absolutely. to lose any time, but that, that's what Duke did. They they did a great job. Obviously, Jeremy McCain was historic in, in the game against Florida State. Miami, the whole team, stepped up, and both offensively and defensively, it was just a beatdown, like an old-school 
Duke beat down, and that was fun. And then you go to a high, high intensity, high octane environment on the road, classic ACC. You put up a fight. You put up a really good fight. You had your chances. But, you know, like AC said, I agree with him. Um, the trajectory of this team is still high and it's still trending upwards. Do you feel any differently? No. Um, I think, you know, seeing the team playing just so balanced is a good thing because, you know, if someone has a bad night, you know the other guys can step up and fill in for them as opposed to just relying on, oh, I hope that someone scores 24 tonight. Because you know that that's not going to be a consistently functional game plan. You need that balance. I think we had four guys put up double figures, and no one put up more than 16 against Miami or something like that. Also, shout out Neil Begovich for getting on the board there. And then same thing with Wake. The The offense was great. I think Flip was the leading score with like 17. And as a whole, the team put up 79, right? Like, that's pretty impressive. Correct. But now Duke is, I don't know how many losses they have on the season, but whenever six, Mark six. Nichols doesn't score double digits, they lose. Yeah, that that, that, that seems to be uh, being hold true, that uh, when Mark Mitchell doesn't score in double digits, uh, digits uh, we're, we're susceptible to a loss. Uh, Pablo, He's hitting tough twos, man. Uh, Sorry, real quick. Real yeah. quick. Sorry. He's hitting tough twos. Tough twos are the keys to winning games. Threes will stretch a lead out for you. Threes will get you back into a game. Tough twos are how you win close, difficult games. And we didn't hit tough yes. twos at the end of the game because we were turning the ball over, this and that. Tough twos win games for you. When Mark Mitchell's in double figures, it's because he's scoring. He's hitting tough twos. And he would have been in double figures if he hit a few more free throws, which I hate to say it, but there you go, D. Like, free throws could have won this game. Like, very easy. Can I, can won I this quickly game. say we haven't even brought up the Jalen Blakes? We haven't even brought up the Jalen Blake's foul. Friend of the podcast, we weren't going to bring it up. We're just going to talk about him joining the podcast. That's him. Much love for Jalen. Whatever you're getting in NIL, we'll pay you from our proceeds from the podcast. Just come on over. Have a lot of love for Jay Blake's. Again, friend of the podcast. We got him on our live show at Countdown. You know, it wasn't a good play. It was not the smart thing. It was not the smart play. I just wanted I just want to make sure that we are in agreement. Like it was not a smart play and those two points ended up making a pretty significant difference. It was a horrible play that should have never happened because yes. I, I think that and Pablo, we talked about this in, in our text during the game, where you know, if Paul Philip House is gonna shoot that shot with seven seconds left at the end of the first half, you gotta commit to that shot. He didn't commit to that shot. He hesitated, he knew he probably shouldn't be taking it, took it anyway. And it gave Wake Forest an opportunity. And so instead of being up four um, at worst, now you give them the opportunity to enter in the front of the podcast, the uh, stupid foul. You know, and, and that was a huge two points, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, when you're playing in a hostile environment, man, you don't, you don't want to leave nothing on the table. You know what I'm saying? And you definitely don't want to spot anybody any points. You know what I mean? We lost by four. You know, it was – I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about that play. That was just crazy. But um, so I think uh, you know, just speaking on the Miami game a little bit, then I'll just jump back to the to the other game. But just the Miami game, I think we see uh, what Peak Duke looks like. 
um, especially with good point guard play. And uh, even the game against Wake Forest, we had good point guard play. So if we get good point guard play, we're never going to – if we do lose, it's never going to be by a lot. You know what I'm saying? If you get good point guard play. Um, and just go back to the Miami game. I mean, at the end of the day, we shot the lights out, man. I mean, we have a ton of shooting on this team. Um, if we play like that for six games in the NCAA tournament, we'll be national champions. Bottom line. I don't think anybody could beat us with the shot making, uh, play making that we have, you know, beating guys off the dribble um, and flip. I don't even need to flip to be elite. I just need to be flip to be very good. You know what I mean? If flip is very good, we're fine. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I'm not really too concerned with the uh, – just drive it back to Wake. I'm not really too concerned with the Wake Forest loss because um, you see at, the, at any moment we can, you know, pause. We can explode and have pause. Relax. Relax. And you already can, said beating uh, guys off the dribble, so I don't want to hear Oh, <laughs> my goodness <laughs> gracious. I don't want to hear Wow. I don't want to hear pauses <laughs> right now. What's going on? Did I say that? Oh, yeah. I did say that. We're recording, so we'll fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. We'll, we'll pause. But uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, now nah, we good, man. You threw me off right there. So, now nah, we good, man. I, I, I just – I feel really good. I still feel really, really good about this team, especially going into the tournament. I think we're, like I said, I think we're gelling and we straight, bro. Let's Duke all day, baby. Right around this time, the 01 team played weight, beat them on a Chris Duhon prayer. If we lost that game, that team still wouldn't won the national championship. Like, huh. This is not a. This is not a. This doesn't change anything for us, in my opinion. I think we said that on the spaces, and I say it again now. Like this doesn't change anything for us. I think this. Honestly, I think it validated the guys and what they were doing on offense. I think it's going to bolster them and some of the things they need to do on the other end of the floor. And so I, I, I think Tyrese Proctor sees his mistake at the end of this game. He's like, "Don't give the ball up anymore. That's your ball now. Yeah. It, it's either your ball. It's either your ball or if it's if you don't want it, it's Jimmy Roach's ball. It's, it's one of the two." I think the I think that's where it puts us with that. that. I didn't mean to cut you off, AC. My friend. no, you good. I'm done. I'm done. I, I think the biggest takeaway from that Wake Forest win against Duke is Proctor going. All right, damn that. We yeah. ain't doing that again. If we're gonna lose, I have an elite layup package. I'm a six six guard. I can get to the rim at ease. If I'm it's not, not him, it's Roach. I, I don't well, care I'm, who it is. I don't care who it is. If, if it's not him, it's Roach. Like Roach we'll is proven. He's proven to be clutch. Tyrese is clutch, right? It's not just the shots you make at the end of the game. The the threes that Reese hit and, and when we were down after those Hunter Salas threes and the plays that he made, that is clutch. It, it doesn't have to come at the end of a clock. Like clutch well, just, is, that's not just clutch. Time, time but, and place of the game. You but, had seven, sure. you had six seconds but, left. He had the ball. Sure. But, but Jeremy Roach has get straight Jeremy Roach has won games for us at the end of games. And if Jeremy and Roach if, had the ball in his hands, I would have told him the same thing. Get your shoulder to the rack and go. That and that's what I want to see. I don't I don't want to see John quote unquote in his bag at the end of a game. I don't need to see him running a play or or running. But if, if correct me if I'm wrong though, we didn't have any timeouts. We did not. No, no. We, we, we did not. not. So that like it was kind of like, like 45 yeah. seconds left. We just like hey, just go. But that's the thing yeah. though, is that like I'm pretty sure they talked about it in the timeout that they probably said hey, at least we one before X Y or Z. But if you look at the last play. They had three guys occupying the same space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what fucked the whole play up. You know what I mean? So Shit, and Duke does that I, a lot. Where they I brought bigs. up that Duhan. No, I'm a bad boy. I was I was just saying right, I brought up ahead, the Duhan Jason Williams play. The Duhan Jason Williams play was a busted play that just happened yeah. to work out. 
Like Chris Duhon shot yeah, a floater yeah, from the elbow. Yeah. Like that's not supposed to drop. Right, right, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's not so what I'm, not blaming, thing. I'm not blaming either one of those guys. All I'm saying is I think this does solidify at the very least. I, I honestly look, I, I love Flip. I, this has nothing to do with the past couple of weeks or anything. I, I think Flip is a great basketball player, he's an all-American caliber basketball player. I don't want him with the ball 35 feet away from the basket in, in, in a clutch situation. I want that ball in either Jamie Roach's hands or Tyrese Proctor's hands. Whoever wants it out of those two, take it. Or, it's yours. Or whoever just happens to have it. Right. right. Which is what Absolutely. The, that, was the, that was the point that happened. Like Everybody's like, well, should it be Jeremy? Should it be? Tyrese was right there. He was the one that got the ball. Well, mm-hmm. so we didn't, we didn't have time for the should it be, should it be. Like, right, exactly. Right. The clock was fucking ticking. We have right. to go. Right. And he's but that's the whole makeup of Tyrese, though. That's Tyrese, mm-hmm. though. Like he's he's looking to pass. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But, and I think that's, but if, that's if there was something the that, why we that said sparked he, in his brain yeah. at that game, that takes Duke to the final four. Well, I think yeah, that that's, was some, that's that's why we said, you know what I mean? We need a aggressive Ty, an aggressive Tyrese. We're good, you know what I'm saying? So he's even had to be he gotta be aggressive on that play. And that would that should have been a hey flip, get the fuck out of the way, Mark. Get the right. fuck out of the way I'm going. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Play. You know, what yep. I mean? five but, out, five you know, out, ISO, let's go. And I yeah. and I That's think going forward, so. if that presents itself again, he will take that lane all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in a close, you know, physical, you know, high intensity game like that, you lose by a possession. You know, possession or two, you, you, you're you splitting hairs, especially when you play well. Oh, if we had just done this, if we didn't make this turnover. And, and, and that's what happens. But to AC's point way earlier in this podcast, it's like, okay, that's the good, good thing about this is where you can point to a couple of different things. And we just clean one or two of these things up. Uh, and that end of game scenario is a perfect example of just clean that up. That, now we don't have to worry about it. Now I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about should I pass the flip or is he going to do this or is he going to do that? Because I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the rim. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to put this team on my back. And it, it wins or loses with me. And you live with that as a leader. And so mm-hmm. like that, that to me is, is yeah. the difference. And I think that they'll, they'll figure that out. Thanks, and so, you know, whether we win the game, we lose the game, whatever, uh, it means that if you can come away from this and look at those scenarios and say, never again. Um, I think there's a lot of positives. I really do. I, I, I'm, I'm usually the most defeatist after a loss in, in this game. But, I mean, I, I, came, I came away like I hate to lose, but I didn't come out of there being like, you know, we're fucked. No, I just – there's a lot to be optimistic about because I think this team is trending in the right direction. Like Pablo said, at the end of – or in that Miami game, that game was a perfect example of what this Duke team is capable of. And I don't think that's the last time that we're going to see that. So we'll, we'll get it there. But let's get into the uh, mailbag because we do have a couple uh, questions from um, from our Discord. So if you're on Discord, if you want to join, please check us out. Um, we'll the Discord all, to the Patreon. Yep, we, we got them all there. Uh, so go on the Patreon, find our Discord, and you can submit uh, questions to the mailbag. First one um, coming from our friend Sam. Um is it good for a team to lose before the tournament? Specifically speaking, this team. Probably you kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, kind of gave your answer that you don't really think that's necessary, but you know, I'll let you kind of expand on that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think I said it on the spaces too. I think. I don't know, man. I think it'd go either way, but I could see if Duke was like twenty-nine and zero 
you know what I'm saying? And they just never experienced any kind of adversity whatsoever. I think for this particular team, I know she it was kind of like a general question, but it's on the you know five point play. So we're talking about Duke. I think for this team, you know, we've been through adversity from the start of the season. So much adversity that we don't even need, like we don't need any more to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like I think we've hit every we hit all the marks, you know what I'm saying? So now it's just time to take what we learn and play. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't really subscribe to the we need to lose a game before we head into the tournament. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it ain't gonna fucking matter. You know what I'm saying? You know, you could you could pretty much learn. You can almost if you really strip it all the way down, you know, you probably could learn the same thing in a loss that you can in a win. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, just to, de- depending on, you know, it's, and of course, some things are situational. So that's just how I feel about it, man. Um, so great question. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate that question, but that's just how I feel. I don't know. You guys can speak on it. Can I, can this, this team, um, with this loss in particular, I could see it going. Short answer, yes. I think for this team, this this particular loss, could be good. It could galvanize these kids some more. It could put a chip on your shoulder some more, like Tyrese Brock. Like people hate that feeling. Competitors hate losing. And then you got the whole, uh, you know, the the fans on the court. Like you don't want to do that again. The next time you you celebrate and, and are jumping around on the court, you want to see Duke blue confetti falling down. Like, and if you have that feeling of we don't want to feel like this anymore, we're gonna play with a chip on our shoulder. We're gonna do this, this, and this different. It could galvanize them, man. I mean, it, for instance, we're gonna beat NC State's ass. Yeah, like NC State might be. We're gonna be that ass in Raleigh, bro. <laughs> that ain't it. Ain't coming down to a court storm again in Raleigh, baby. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, because I don't yeah. think these kids want to feel like that anymore. All of these mm-hmm. dudes are competitors, and yeah, Sam, I think this. I think this loss could help this team by just galvanizing them just a little bit more. Jack, I mean, what, what more do they need to learn, though? <laughs> Look, that's not not necessarily about learning anything. Like, it, we understand that we've gone through. I'll adversity. touch on that after Jack. I'll touch on that. Yeah, go ahead, Jack. I mean, I'm gonna agree with D saying that this team. Yes, I think the loss was good. That being said, I don't necessarily. I will amend the question. I'll say that a close game is good for a team trying to make a tournament run because you look at like. The example I'm going to use is a team that I am not old enough to remember playing, but the 98-99 team. Um, sorry to make you guys feel old if I am. That <laughs> that team lost in the championship because they didn't know how to play from behind or play a close game because they had one loss coming into that game, and it was in November, December, something like that. That team did not know how to play a close game because they were so good. And championship comes it's a close game they can't close it out i think a close game is important for that reason that being said i think this loss like d said will kind of galvanize the team bring them together make them reassess in the way that we keep coming back to that 2015 team they lost two in a row and then went on a huge run the rest of the way only lost one game the 9 10 team lost in march they lost uh once they lost to maryland late in the season if i'm not mistaken yeah I believe you're correct. Yeah, go ahead, AC. Yeah, no, it's situations. It's situations. Uh, it, it doesn't have to necessarily end in a loss. The, the failure does breed success sometimes. It just depends on where you are. 
Jack was talking about us being old, bringing up the 98-99 team. I was going to bring up 91 <laughs> UNLV, bro. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that was one of the things, like, that's one of the things that Coach K brought to his locker room with 91 UNLV was that they've never played a close game. We have, it's belief. We talked about this on our on our thread. Belief is dangerous, man, for any team, no matter how good or bad you are. If you have the shred, just a shred of belief, you can do anything you want to do, but at least for a certain amount of time. And, and I think situations are so important. I, like, we now have another situation under our belt that we hadn't experienced that, which is a chance at a game-winning shot with this particular roster. We didn't have that, so now we have that under our belt, and now we know we know what to what better to do now in that situation because, you know, we talk about a team that shoots the lights out, and we won't see that again. We will see that again in the NCAA 100%. tournament because when we play some seven seed or some ten seed that that is trying to make a, a statement for themselves, they're going to play like that. So we got to be able to withstand that that storm. Um, so in, in my opinion, does it need to be a loss? It doesn't necessarily need to be a loss if your team already believes in what it is you're saying. And I think this team believes in what John is saying. And now if you're dealing with a bunch of knuckleheads that are like, we ain't going to listen to you, we're just going to run up and down the floor. All right, then a loss, can a coach can go back after a loss and say, all right, now y'all need to shut up and listen to me. That, that gives a coach an ability to say that. But I don't think a coach ever wants his team to lose. They never want their team to lose, unless it's Coach K and, and John Daly and the, the dream team losing to the, the college kids or whatever. Whatever they said they needed to do for that team, but they need to do nothing for them. But um, but yeah, like if, out, if, you, if you need to, right, if you need to, if, if you need to get your knuckleheads in line, then a, a loss works for you. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up 05, uh, 05 UNC when they won that title with with, with Rashad McCants and those dudes because they were already dealing with some chemistry shit with Rashad McCants and those guys. Sure. They lost a, late, a couple late season games. I think they lost in the ACC tournament, if I'm not mistaken, with that team. Either way, Roy got to say shut up, and they moved on. They did what they needed to do. So I think that's all that matters with that. I think that's all. That's that's the only that's the only thing a loss I think does for. Some of those teams, I, I think, in, in general, though, getting situations under your belt is a good is a good thing. And and the more situations you can get, especially this late in the season, the better. Yeah, got nothing to add to that. I think all of you make really good points. I think it's situational. Um, I would have brought up the same thing that that Jack did. It's it's one thing if like the team's on a heater and they haven't played any close games. You know, a close game you can get tight, and you know bad things can happen if you're not used to playing in those. And plus, game pressure gets on you at that point, especially when you're a team that's rattled off 15, 17, 20 games in a row. We're not in that position. So for this particular team, it's every every game, every opportunity is a learning moment. And if we take those and learn from them and execute properly, we're going to be tough to beat. I feel really good about where we're at. Um, the second mailbag question is a tough one because we've actually kind of already talked about it, so I kind of feel bad for – my boy, uh, Better Better, who's actually one of our best um, posters over on Discord. So I want to give him a shout-out. We've kind of already touched on it, so I don't know if we have anything else um, to, to add to it. But his question was, what's the biggest takeaway from the end of the wait game, not the course storming? Um, who should have the ball at the end of game situations? AC, you, you kind of said that you said the same thing, like whoever, whether it's Roach or Proctor. I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go more specific to answer the question. Okay. Roach. Roach. Yes. I, if we go, if we're going to go down this season, I want to go down with our senior leader who probably doesn't have the other team's best defender on him in a five out situation who can get to the bucket against anyone and make a shot and lay up against anyone without thinking about passing the ball, without having any doubt in his mind. Give me Roach because he's done it before. That's, that's my opinion on it. 
That's, so that's my takeaway from that. Give me Roach. I know what Proctor has. I know his abilities. I would love for him to be that guy because it's unfucking stoppable. However, Hypothet- hypothetically, I agree with you. But hypothetically, let, let's say that Duke was able to take it to the timeline, call a timeout, draw something up. Hell yeah, Roach. Hell yeah, Roach. I don't think you even question that, correct? No, no, that's what I mean. Wh- whether we draw something up or not, if John's on the sideline screaming, spread, spread, and we spread and run the ISO, give me Roach. It, because he's done it and he, like, there, there's so much, there's there's a lot of doubt to be had in Tyrese's mind right now still because he still hasn't had a chance to do it yet. Now, if he, if he gets a regular season opportunity to do it and proves himself, ball's yours, bro. Because cause his, his, his talent is better. His size is better. All that is better. But Jamie Roach right now is shooting the ball from three. Yeah, I said it. Whoa. Shooting the ball from three at a historic clip. He gets to the bucket. He's he's wild to get into the bucket. He's an elite. He got an elite layup package for somebody who's five foot eleven. Like, I'm, I'm taking Roach, man. He's done it before. He's done it on a team that's had all Americans, all NBA All Stars. You name it, he's done it. He's done it in the in during a pandemic. He's done it during Coach K's last game. He's done it during Coach K's last season. He's done it for John Shire's first season. And now here we go. This team gets to the Final Four, a national championship, man. This kid has had the wildest career. Get, let him have the ball, man. Let, let a dude who's gone through all that, give him the ball, bro. Anybody have anything different? Uh, Pablo, you got anything to add there? Yeah, I do. First of all, AC, pause. Second, <laughs> um... <laughs> No, second. I think it's, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I always look at stuff from like a a coaching standpoint. I guess that's probably, I need to stop doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I mean, I agree with you guys. It should be Roach, but I think it could be situational as well. It's only one or two players, you know, Roach or Flip. You know what I mean? Bottom line, if I'm, you know, you know what I mean? Because it could be a situation where you got. Sure. If they're dumb enough to help off. Garden Flip on the perimeter. Right. Hell yeah, I'm gonna get flipped the ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you know, what I mean, it could be a switch. Somebody small yep. on flip or whatever. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, I'm giving them the ball. But at the end of the day, if I want somebody off the dribble or just to make a play from the perimeter, for the most part, it's gonna be Jeremy for sure. No, you're right though, right? Like the 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 play at the end of the UVA game, I bet we would see that play again from John in a draw yeah. situation to to end the game because the play worked. It was successful. It just wasn't called. Like that—that's a play I could see happening at the end of the game. Them helping off on our elite guards and flip is available on the baseline. That's an easy bucket. Like absolutely, man. Yeah. I just—I yeah. just in in that situation, I want the ball in the hands of somebody who I know is going yeah. to make a—he—he's going to yeah, have a decision ready. Like we talked yeah. about Reese being indecisive. You know what I mean? Like Nah, Roach is ready. He, he this is what I want yeah, to do with the ball. He got the—he got the pedigree for it. You know what I'm saying? He's I, proven, like you said, he's proven that time and time again. Change that also a good decision maker. I hope so, D. I, I really do hope so, D. I, I don't think I don't think anybody's questioning Tyrese Proctor's ability. I just think it's no, I don't know. I think I think it's the experience level, and in, and in this case, experience does matter. He's a senior. He's done these things before. I think that's that's where sure. I sit on it. Absolutely, but we've all said we need Reese mm-hmm. to do Tyrese Proctor type shit in order for Duke mm-hmm. to get where we want him to go. And maybe that's not at the end of the game. Maybe that's maybe that's the other thirty-eight minutes. No, but you have the ball and you have eight seconds left. Like now, it now it is you. Now it is the end of the game. Figure it out. Like you got to do something. This is what we need. And I I think you you said we got to learn something from a loss, just like we learned something from a win. 
that's what he's learning from this loss. I hope. I that's hope it's, only, it's either. He said that's only as the captain, right? As a captain of this team, I should have taken that to the rack. My the bad. learning moment is either that he does learn that or he's still not comfortable with it and it's Jeremy's ball. That's Those are the two learning moments. It's either Jeremy should have the ball, it should have gone to him to begin with, or it is Reese, go do your thing. It's one of those two things. It's it's yeah. it, The learning moment is it's nothing other than one of those two things. There's nothing else to learn. It's 100%. one of those two. Well, I hope we don't have to show that in, in our next game, which is uh, Jack, your Louisville Cardinal playing at home. They're not uh, mine. <laughs> 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Um, hey, yours. You're going to be there. ACC, ACC Network for, for you four. Uh, your boy will be uh, in Cameron for this one. Um, look, I, I don't know who's going to play for Duke. I don't know who's not going to play. Um, it wouldn't shock me if uh, Cameron Foster does not play. I, I think Flip will. AC, just give me a prediction here. I just want to blow him the fuck out. Yeah, 80, 85-55. 85-55. I feel like Phil will play. He should be healthy enough to play. There's no reason to sit him if he's not. Caleb is up in the air, whatever. 85-55. We should be the shit out of him at home. Yeah, Jack, you know these guys better than anybody. What is Duke no, have to I do? Don't. I don't watch them. <laughs> um, Duke has to put five scholarship athletes out there for 40 minutes. It doesn't matter which five. Any combination of their scholarship athletes needs to play a total of 40 minutes out there, and they will win. Um, honest opinion, I don't think Flip will play because I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to get rest regardless because it's Louisville, and they are not a good basketball team right now. Um, so I, I don't. If he plays, I will be surprised. Same thing with Caleb. I think the rest of the team is still more than enough to beat Louisville handily. Um, I'll go with 77 to 59. No score prediction for me, man. Just win. Um, but we Duke needs Mark Mitchell to be the Mark Mitchell that we saw in February and the end of January. Because it is clear as day, if nobody's paying attention, that when this kid does not score 10, 12, 14, 15 plus, and he's the leading scorer, second leading scorer with a double-double, Duke loses. And there's no, like, there's no other stat that, that can prove that wrong. Like, that is a fact. When he doesn't score a double-double, Duke loses. So, this... This team goes as far as Mark Mitchell guy. And we said this earlier. He's the keystone, right? He's the X factor. Pro- Proctor's driving the bus, right? He's the keystone. And we got Sean Stewart as the X factor over here, just ready to be uncaged. The poor loco, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just so. Mad Dog 2020. Let's just. Hey, that's just good, though. See, like I say, every podcast. You I ain't had like old Mad Dog. A little bit of, <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, like a little bit of progression. What, what did we learn? What, what have we, what other uh, chain have we put in this link here or link? Have we put in this chain? You know what I mean? Just win. Pablo. We know what Pablo's going to say. Come on, man. You already know. Just fucking <laughs> win, bro. Just fucking win. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to, shout out to Louisville, but we about to whip that ass. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Nolan. Um, yeah, 84 60 uh, is what I'm going with. Uh, bigger game on Saturday. Connor brought it up earlier in the podcast. 
Uh, UVA is not playing their best basketball. Um, you know, it was a closer game. Apparently, it's just a terrible game uh, against UNC in, oh in God, Charlottesville. Um, but uh, AC, uh, maybe Flip doesn't play. Maybe Jack's playing. Maybe Flip doesn't play on Wednesday. I think we need to have him on Saturday. You know, Tony Bennett usually coaches very well against us, but we got payback on our mind from from last year too. Um, oh sure. You know, so I know that you know we won uh, ACC championship, but we still want payback for the regular season. Sure. No, you're you're dealing with a, a UVA team that that other teams in the ACC have kind of figured out a little bit. Which one of those things they figured out is how to defend this team from three. And one thing you can do with UVA because they don't necessarily have you know, an elite, not even elite, just, you know, super capable post scores and anything like that. Like you can switch on them and, and you can, you can make their life difficult from three. And I think that's what we need to do. We, we earlier in the season, we were a better three point percentage defense than we have been lately. Um, I'd like to see us kind of get back to that. I don't, you know, I, I think we can, we're not, I don't know that we're going to turn them over a lot, they, you know, they they don't turn the they turn the ball over a lot earlier in the season. They don't do so as much anymore. Um, they so they still always take care of the ball. Tony Bennett teams are always going to take care of the ball, so we don't need to rely on turnovers. I'll rebound them, put them in the bad shot situations, and I think we walk away with a win. Um, it, I think it's as simple as that. John has been the architect for how we play offense against UVA for the past few years, even when he was an assistant with K. He was the one who was coming up with the game plan on how to how to beat that back line and started with what Zion and uh, and RJ were, were able to do. But I mean, you had transcendental players doing that, but what they found, and even with justice before that, what they found was being able to tack off elbow uh, and off angle against the, the pack line and not sticking the ball in the corner was key to beating this defense. So I think you'll continue to see that more, especially with the guys that we have who can drive the ball in the way we shoot. So I, I think we walk away with a win. I don't think we beat them by like 30 or anything like that, but you know, I mean, they hold teams to about 59 points or something like that. I think we'll score more than that. I think we'll probably be in that 66, 70 point range. And I think they'll be probably closer to about 45 or 50. All right, Jack, what do you got? It's going to be an awful game just because I hate watching Virginia basketball. They are meanful. Meanful. It's also just very much a one man team. It's Reese Beekman. Stop him, you stop Virginia. That's that's just how UVA is. It's it's going to be an awful watch, but I'm going to watch anyway because I love Duke. Um, that's just, you know, that's how it is. Yeah, you know, obviously, regular season revenge, you got to have that on your mind. I think I actually do think Flip's going to have a very good game because I don't think they have anyone that can really match up that well with him. It's, it's Virginia. They They don't... They don't play good basketball on the offensive side right now. And also, AC, I do want to counter something you said. You said the three-point defense hasn't exactly been great of late. The weight game has been an outlier outside of that game in the month of February. Duke's holding their opponents below 30% from three. It's the best month defensively they've had from three all season. I'll say if they can keep that up against both Louisville and Virginia, they have a really good shot of going into Carolina with a pair of wins under their belt. There's a game between them, but I completely forgot about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. D, D what do you got? Just win, man. Don't. I, I hope Duke can be the one who sets the tempo, and they don't play like Carolina played Virginia style basketball, and they just happened to win because Cormac Ryan went nuts. I don't want to see that. I want Duke 
to control the tempo and Virginia has to play Duke style basketball. Cause that, that would show me more than Duke just hanging around and beating Virginia in a real sloppy game. That's all I got with that. And it's, it's Virginia. So there's not much to say other than it's going to be boring as shit. It's going to be boring as shit. It's predictable. Uh, Their whole season is predictable. For getting recruits on this boring shit, but it'll be boring. This is going to be not lately. Uh, Pablo, what do you got? It's going to be a lot harder than y'all think it's going to be. I remember you saying before you thought this was going to be the toughest game to end the season. Yep. It's going to be a lot harder than you think it's going to be. Because, I mean, traditionally, I mean, nobody runs on Virginia, period. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we don't, we definitely don't run on Virginia. You know what I mean? So um, the success we've had with Virginia is we just, just had better talent. Um, but we, we also had ex, like really explosive athletes. We don't have that this year. You know what I'm saying? Like we got better talent, obviously, but we don't have better, you know, we don't, we don't have uh, those explosive athletes and they got some guys, man. I don't, I don't think we, we should do. sleep on it. You know what I'm saying I think it's going to be closer than what everybody think it's going to be. Uh, Tony Bennett obviously is an excellent coach, um, and they do some things that that can that can give us some trouble. So we'll see. But uh, let's go, Duke. Yeah, I, I think I think we um, we found a way to win. I think it's difficult to try to play our style of basketball against any Tony Bennett team. We all admit that this game is going to be yep. boring. It's going to be slow because that's just what you know UVA does. They take the air out of the ball offensively. They make you work for, you know, 25, 30 seconds of the shot clock. And, you know, they're just fundamentally sound uh, defensively, and I think that is going to be tough for us. we got to stay uh, disciplined uh, for Duke and just hit the shots that, that you get and, you know, play solid defense and don't let them, um, you know, see a lot of open looks. So, I, I mean, I, I guess – It boils you, down to making shots. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I got 68 60. I think it'll be low on a score, but I think we find ways to win. I think we'll hit some free throws at the end. Um, you know, but uh, an eight point win against UVA might as well be 14 15. That's what um, they say. That's the cliche. You know what That's I mean? So, uh, but go ahead, AC. This truly boils down to making shots. If the way we pass the ball and we pass against the grain, that's one thing you got to do against back line defense is pass against the grain. And we do a great job of making the middle of a defense, making one pass and then getting an extra pass. And then a lot of times you'll see an extra pass on the perimeter after that one once the defense rotates. So what I mean by passing against the grain, we're passing against the rotation. That is, that is a great way to get an open shot against the back line defense. And I, I think in Cameron, I feel I feel confident that we'll be able to do that, quite honestly. That's just my opinion on it. I think I, it boils in if we, if we hit shots early and we get ahead, McNeely has already said in press conferences that this team doesn't play well from behind. Like he's that is that's that's his famous quote from the season is that he said we don't play well from behind. So and and it's evident it's not a, it, it, this Tony Bennett squads have never historically been great at playing from behind in games. So we just if we build a lead, I feel good. I feel comfortable with us holding that lead. That's yeah. kind of, that's that's where I sit with it. Agreed. If we don't yeah. hit shots and if we're breaking all over the place, it's a close game and it's a, it's a difficult game. That's with anybody in the country. But I think if we're hitting shots, we beat UVA. And I think that's what happens. And overall, look, Duke is playing good basketball. Duke is ready to, to kind of take it to that next level. We got four regular season games left. 
We got Louisville, we got Virginia, we go to Raleigh, and then we got the big one, March 9th. Duke is trending in the right direction. Let's get a W. Let's do Duke AC takes off. Let's go, baby. Thank you all for tuning in to the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you for Connor Neal from Devils Illustrated for coming on today. We got Patreon. We got Twitter. We got Instagram. You see all the Twitter handles on here. This is us, y'all. Come come join the Five Point Play. Come join the Five Point Fam. Hashtag. You know what it is. Other people are there already. Join the crew. We got the Discord. We got everything that you guys want and need. The offseason is about to be crazy over there. So, Five Point Play Podcast. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke.